Hey, what's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 40, and we're going to take time just to cover chapter 23. I got a little ahead of my reading group, and so they have two chapters today, and I'm just going to focus here on chapter 23 so we can be all on the same schedule, which actually works out because we need to spend some time talking about the religious festivals and not only the three main ones we talked about before, let's add a few more of Israel's festivals in as we work through this. And so remember, the three main national feasts where Israel would journey to Jerusalem are, are these, Passover, the Feast of Harvest or Weeks, or we're more familiar with the word Pentecost. And the last one is the Feast of Tabernacles or In Gathering, or the name we may be more familiar with, the Feast of Booths. So let's cover some of these. And we also picked up another one that is celebrated, Yom Kippur. Remember the Sweet 16 that was covered in Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement. It's picked up here again. So let's grab them as they're picked up. First, I'll read the first verse. The Lord spoke again to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, the Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim the holy convocations. My appointed times are these. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day, there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. And so let's look at some of our feasts. It picks up here in verse four. Then there are appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them in the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight, the Lord's Passover. Then on the 15th day of the same month, there is the feast of unliving bread. So it sounds like these are two separate feasts and they are throughout Israel's history. They become celebrated as one. So we'll count this as one feast and we'll call it the Feast of Passover. But really Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread are celebrated because as you can see here, they're so connected. And then look at verses 9 through 14. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land, which I am going to give you and reap his harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall weigh the sheep before the Lord for you to be accepted. And on that day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it and you shall offer a male ram one year old without defect for a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil. Now you see how you get a burnt offering here and a grain offering and that language within the language. This was meant to be used in this festival to communicate something. So I'm hoping the language within the language is starting to make sense now. But look at verse 15. It says, you shall count for yourself from the days of the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheath of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths and count 50 days on the day of the seventh Sabbath. And then on that day, you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. So this is indicating a feast of weeks or harvest or Pentecost. And it's dedicated the first fruits of the wheat harvest. It occurred on the 50th day after the Sabbath preceding the festival of first fruits. And I don't think I read this, but if you look at the beginning of Acts in Acts chapter one, in verse three, it says that Jesus presented himself alive 
after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over the period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is on earth with the disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. But in verse five, it says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you already guessed it. Guess how many days? 10. God's promise was fulfilled just 10 days later. And on the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit comes. And so if you can tie and understand not just the sacrificial system, but the feast and these things point to Christ and Christ ticks the box and fulfills all of these feasts perfectly. Here's another feast. We hadn't talked about this one, but let's grab this one in verse 23. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first of the month, you should have a rest, a reminder of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present any offering by fire to the Lord. And so here is the Feast of Trumpets. And even if you look at your calendar between around the seventh month, which is September or October, it starts the blowing of the trumpet, which is the beginning of the year for Israel, which is why this day is called Rosh Hashanah, which means head of the year. Rosh, which means head, and Hashanah, which means year. And so you have the Feast of Trumpets there, which is Tishri on the Jewish calendar, but it's about September to October on our calendar. And the reason their calendar starts earlier than ours is because, remember, we operate off the Gregorian calendar, which is the solar calendar, and Israel operates off of the lunar calendar, which is why full moons and moon cycles are important to them, and which is why you can actually go back and follow the lunar calendar to see what was happening on which day and to get your biblical timeline in order. And in verse 26, it says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying exactly on the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation to you and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire. And then if you look down at verse 34, it says, speak to the sons of Israel saying on the 15th of the seventh month, is the Feast of Booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day, it is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. For seven days, you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. And I know I'm dumping a lot of content out there, but I'm not that guy. I'm not the data dumb guy. I'm the guy who brings it down to everyday people and makes this stuff attainable. So I want to slow down and make sure we truly understand these feasts. My good friend, Brandy, by the way, gave me the, the good insight that I may need to start adding things like this to the show notes if I'm introducing new terms or if I'm talking about something that may not be familiar with the everyday reader. So this may be very well something that I would put in the show notes, put a link to all of these feasts and festivals. But let me hit it one more time. So our major feast. Or say it with me, Passover and unleavened bread, we're going to treat those as one, which is to be which is to be celebrated on Nisan, which is about March, April, according to our calendar. Then the second ones are tied together, which is first fruit, harvest, weeks, or Pentecost. Then the next one we talked about was the Feast of Booths, which is tabernacles or end gathering. And we also picked up the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, 
and the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh or Rosh, if you want to be a little spiritual there, Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year, which is when the Jewish calendar starts. So now your trumpets is your head of the year. Passover represents what we learned about in Exodus when God delivered them from Pharaoh in Egypt. So Passover and unleavened bread goes together. And then you get your first harvest. You celebrate a feast for that, which is Pentecost. And that's to thank God for your first harvest. And then you have your feast of booths to thank God for your final harvest. And I want to add a couple more. The only one I want to add is Purim. We'll learn about that. When God delivers the people through Esther and Mordecai, they celebrate this holiday because even though Haman wanted to slaughter the Jews, it backfires on them and it has people wanting to convert to be Jews and they would act like Jews in order to not be killed. And so what they do on Purim is they put on masks to celebrate, man, people wanted to act like us so they wouldn't die and God triumphed and saved our people. And so they celebrate Purim, and that's from Esther 9. And let's not go into too much detail there because we'll cover Esther later in the year. And the last one I want to talk about is Hanukkah. Now, Hanukkah is later. It's, it's introduced during the intertestamental period, and we'll spend some time covering this as well. During the Maccabean period, you had a guy, which many people thought was the Antichrist, he was so wicked, by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. And he was bad, bad. I mean, he desecrated the temple. He would sacrifice pigs in there and they revolted against him. It was called the Maccabean revolt. And in that revolt, the Jewish took power again. And it was a big victory for the Jews. They actually thought that they were getting momentum to take over the world again, like under the reign of David and Solomon, which wasn't true. Rome quickly came and shut that down. But during that period, when they thrive, they celebrate that. And it's called Hanukkah which is why you see Herod in power during his time, because they thrived during that time. They were able to set up leadership and have control for a while. And so Rome comes and just like Babylon put a puppet king in place and not the king that they wanted, Rome did that too. They put a puppet king in place, which are the Edomians, which is another way of saying Edomites. And this is what Herod is. He's put in place during that time. So one more time, Passover, unleavened bread. Let's put those together as one. Then secondly, feast of harvest or of weeks or of first fruits or of Pentecost. You can say either one of those. So let's say Passover, unleavened bread, one, Pentecost, two, and the feast of booths, three. But in scripture, you may see tabernacles or in gathering. So I'm using all of these terms so you won't be confused. And then we have Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and Purim. And if you know those, you pretty much know all of your feasts because Hanukkah will come later in the intertestamental period. Well, let's wrap up saying how all of these point to Christ. Passover points to the death of Christ, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Unleavened bread points to the sinlessness of Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, 8, the Feast of First Fruits and Pentecost both point to the resurrection of Christ and the outpouring of the Spirit. Because Christ was resurrected first, we will be resurrected. Christ was the firstborn of the brethren. This is how. And because he's deposited the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that's proof that we'll be fully sanctified one day 
the fact that you have the Holy Spirit and you're being sanctified, you should be encouraged. That means that you will fully be glorified one day. That should be one of your greatest assurance of salvation. The fact that the Holy Spirit is deposited within your spirit. And that's a guarantee that you are his. His mark is on you and you will fully be sanctified and redeemed and glorified one day. That should be very encouraging. The Day of Atonement, the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. It's Romans eleven twenty six, And the Feast of Booths, which is our rest. Remember, we always have to go back to rest in our reunion with Christ. And that in Zechariah 14, 16 through 19. A lot of work today, saints, but let's get these feasts down because now this content will never intimidate us in scripture anymore. And we can know that these feasts point to a sinless savior that we worship and we put all of our hope and trust in. So remember these feasts and let's continue to walk together next time as we cover day 41, chapters 24 through 25. You all take care. Peace.